Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome along to Series 14, Episode 18 of Midweek Motorsport. And for once, I'm actually back at Hindhoff Towers in the, st- in the studio overlooking the meadow, which has been cut while I was away, or at least part of it has. Uh, it's been a rainy all day today, so everything's nice and green. There's a very, very dramatic looking sky with dark clouds and sun shining through at various stages. On a packed show tonight, Tim Gray, who is up in London, we have what? Uh, it's a good question, because I've literally just arrived. Walked through the door, yes. And uh, have uh, very what? little idea of uh, what, Shall I tell uh, a good what, what's going to go into the show tonight. However, I do know that the story that I forgot to do last week, which we'll be covering tonight... Ah. Uh, is that about the reopening of a racetrack? It is, yes. Excellent. Um, there's a preview of something that's happening this weekend. Always good to have previews ahead of the thing that they're talking about, yes, I think. Uh, we can't put that off until an, a later episode, so we do have to do it tonight. Uh, Nick Damon will be happy about it, I'm sure. Okay, good. Uh, Declan Drennan's going to be on the show. I bet he on. is. I bet he is. Shay Adams going to be on the show. I'm sure she we will We'll have be. a big interview with Scott Atherton. Scott Atherton, the man at the head of IMSA, will be talking to us uh, uh, just after nine o'clock. That hopefully is. we'll have Kyle Bush and hopefully he won't swear. <laughs> He's not Jurgen Klopp, it'll be fine. No, you didn't hear him on Sunday. I mean, Monday, did you? No, I was in the air. No. Um, And uh, also, uh, we need to tidy up something that we didn't get a chance to do on Saturday. And that is something we can do now, because, as promised during our World Endurance Championship post-race tech show on Saturday, we said we would announce the winner of the Spirit of the Race Award at the start of tonight's Midweek Motorsport. It's got to be. Surely it's got to be race control and the marshals. Well, I don't know. I wasn't doing the counting. Well, neither was I. I think we need a responsible adult for that. Uh, right. Okay. Um, well, uh, we needed um, prior warning of that then. Uh, the responsible adult is in her office. Responsible adult told me on Saturday that we were doing this at the start of the show, so... Ah, okay. Um, I shall wait for the responsible adult to put a note on my screen. It was the camera team, she says. Ah, excellent. So it was the the film camera team, the TV camera team, uh, wins the Spirit of the Race Award for the WEC. And uh, because we got cut off rather in our prime, although Tim will be in the process... Uh, during the show tonight of putting up the full Michelin post race tech um, uh, we our our, uh, Spirit of the Race 
uh, on Sunday went to Mazda. So, there we go. Uh, for Saturday, it was for being out on post and dealing with the weather, still providing great pictures. Uh, well, that was uh, at Spa in the snow, the hail, the sunshine, the dry, the wet, the dry again, the wet, the snow, the hail and the red flag. You didn't mention the fog. Oh, yes. Was the fog? There was. Okay. I, I, at one point, I thought the snow wasn't going to be a problem, but uh, the race might be delayed because of the fog. Because snow is never a problem that, the at a racetrack. Porsche, Porsche Carrera Cup France race was in beautiful sunny conditions. Uh, tonight, let's do a little bit of housekeeping while uh, Tim sorts himself out there. Uh, Brody says no AFAs tonight. Brody, who is Brody Flat 4 with his VW variant, VW Fastback. Uh, no FAs. I'm not in the garage on a cold and wet Lincolnshire evening. The VW finally lives and he sent a fantastic picture of his blue Volkswagen variant Fastback. Um, an L-plate car. Oh, with a 914 registration number as well. How very nice. One of my favourite cars, those little flat fours. Fantastic. Alan Space says, I'm currently digging my car out of the infield at Mud, Ohio, so I'll probably have to catch the podcast. I think there are still some people there. Uh, Michael Denny listening live tonight. Last time in the Carbon Fibre Triangle, MK roundabouts were just too much for me. Sorry. Says RC Racing, how does he deal with it? Uh, hello to Right Turn Lover, to Alexander Orkin. No AFAs this evening. Chicken and red peppers with roast potatoes. Maybe a glass of something. And midweek motorsport sorted for this evening. Yoda's uncle's been waiting for a very long time. Six hours when he posted the is it six, eight o'clock yet? Uh, no. Rob Jana, it wasn't then but it is now. Uh, Rob Jana says listening in with my daughter Lyla. Lila, sorry. Uh, in, on my drive home tonight. Keep your eyes on the road there, Rob. Precious Cargo on board. And hello, Lila. L-Y-L-A. What a lovely name. Hope you're learning something. It's like tonight. Lola, but like, with a with, Y. With a Y, yes. Jet is listening tonight from a soaking wet York. He's uh, working this evening. And he says, on a pack show tonight, it sounds like you have everything. Uh, AFA again for me this week. Love last week's show. RC Racing was on great form. Uh, and a great big interview a couple of weeks ago with the insight into Bathurst. Uh, hello to Ian McCarthy tuning in live this evening. Post maiden exam. I'm not going to say what sort of exam. Uh, nothing some antibiotics won't cure. All right. We'll talk about some race cars to take your mind and everything else off it, Ian. Mike Sargent, uh, afternoon from Canada. Loving the conversation starting this week about DPI 2.0. Let's keep that energy out there. Scott Atherton, we'll be, t- we'll be asking him about that later on. Chris Humphreys, marshalling kit in the car. Bagpack for the weekend at Silverstone Blancban. 48 car GT3 grid. Excellent. Well done, Chris, and well done for tuning in. I, I think I'll be there over the weekend for at least some of it. Had to turn down a Bentley drive on Sunday because I was too busy. Uh, right turn lover is home just in time. At the end of the year... When you do the season reviews for F1, WEC, etc., you need one just for WEC at Spa. Probably right as well. Extreme caution, says Chris Suku. No EFAs tonight. This man is trying multitasking. I need to know what tasks you're doing, Chris. At Specutainment, please. Another generous dose of shift patterns. Careful how you say that, kind of. 
means I'm listening live, resisting the urge to correct the guys um, on the Torah show. Uh, but that was practice for this show. Hello, AMR. Good to know you're tuned in. And great Torah show that I was listening to as I was getting ready for this one. Dedrick Baker, listening live, can still smell the rubber for this from this weekend's autocross with Porsche Club of America. Once it gets in your nostrils. Uh, Carol Brink is sinking mid-street motorsport with the IMSA broadcast on MC, NBCSN at the moment. She's over in Monterey, California. And Sarah Rigby tuned in from Crew. Overtime tonight, question mark. Fitting in all the, the uh, news for the recent races and good call for the Spirit of the Race Awards that you've just mentioned. Hello to Phil. No fear here. And shall we crack on? Let's crack on. Let's have our first story. If you want to get in touch with us, it is at Specutainment on Twitter. I'm looking at them dropping in now. Clearly a big crowd in tonight. So Tim will fire the next jingle and we'll have our top story. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Where would you like to take us first in the wide world of motorsport, which we have covered here I'd on RSL? I'd like to start on two wheels, please. On two wheels, right. Okay. Uh, and that means so we can introduce uh, our correspondent, Nick Damon. Hello, in my two wheel, dro- two wheel, uh, more res- kind of res- oh, restrained welcome to Tim and to John and to everyone. So you're, you're sort of more leaning over a little bit and more rather than sort of upright and excited. Genuinely, I was actually leaning at that point. Were you? <laughs> I'm leaning on the table right now. I could say to the left or to the right. And I've, I've got a kind of, I've got a kind of, a, uh, you know, a little kind of a. Uh, basically, if, if I was uh, doing this in the 1970s, I'd be smoking a pipe. Are you in the shed? No, 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 I'm just... just uh, in the office? I'm in the office, yeah. Which is just in front of Nick's man cave, which is a proper man cave now, because it has motorbike, classic car, and exercise equipment. I know, it's it's getting weird. <laughs> Luckily, Rachel can't hear it, it's fine. But you, you, you're all <laughs> moaning, you, know, you know you're all moaning about the bad weather you, you've been experiencing. I had a lovely week. It was never cold. It was 34, 35, 36, 34, centigrade. 35, 36. Centigrade, centigrade yeah. Yes. yeah. And then at night it went down to 28, you know. You were well, in the Philippines, weren't you? I was. It was in Manila, yeah. For round one of RCGP. So, yeah. I thought so, you'd so, gone um, to an opening of an envelope. But um, tish. <laughs> ah. So, yes, I, I was obviously quite amused because obviously if I hadn't been there, I probably would have been <laughs> in somewhere like Spa. So I was quite chuffed to see it was, um, yeah, I was avoiding snow. <laughs> Which is good, I always think. Uh, two wheels then. Uh, there was a bit of bike at the weekend. There's a bit of MotoGP. Um, but I'm not sure whether you saw it, Nick. Have you been able to catch up on it? Nope. No, because I only landed at about 11 o'clock last night. I have obviously caught up with it news-wise, but not actually action on the track-wise. So you, got, you, got, you must you have seen it, John. No, I didn't see it. I was in the States. Can't see it in the States, mate. Doesn't, it's not on the telly. Besides which, I was rather busy with racing. Well, it doesn't really it's matter because it was only story. a race. Uh, because, uh... Was there any shock? Well, I haven't no. seen his either, Nick. Uh, no, because Mark Marquez wanted to put down a marker and oh, uh, in doing that he just went out he went out hard from the start and just controlled the race and won Alex Rins was second so obviously that was quite interesting with the Suzuki's uh, he's second championship overall uh, it wasn't a classic in Jerez they got a yeah, reasonable crowd I think Valentino Rossi was sixth as now with after uh, Marquez fell off um, he had a, a kind of a coded thing saying that um, 
they now knew what the problem was. And it's kind of intimating that the problem in, in the circuit of America was a bite problem rather than him just falling off. And we all, and all of us kind of went, you know, for those of you who know, again, back then he said, he's a chinny rub rub or Jimmy Hill, or what we were basically saying on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he's back in charge. He's back in charge of the, of the championship again. But there are, I think, five riders covered by 10 points at the moment. But it doesn't really matter because if he wants to win any race, apparently he can. Uh, it was one point six seconds. By the way, it was actually the Jap- the Japanese, the, the Spanish Grand Prix uh, at the not, weekend. Not the Catalonian Grand Prix, no. the Valencia Grand Prix, or no. the made-up European Grand Prix, really. No, <laughs> not the not the Grand Prix of another track in in Spain. Uh, but it was uh, an old Spanish podium in Spain, which was uh, pretty good mm-hmm. for the local stuff. Lorenzo's having a nightmare. Yeah, I don't know. It, 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 was this, this a question you're going to talk about? Tim? We just just tell you the result. Uh, I wasn't specifically going to talk about Jorge Lorenzo, but you can do. Um, he's he's even he's even disappointed with himself. So Lorenzo's really disappointed with himself and doesn't know what's going wrong because he's not quite. Uh, it just feels that you know perhaps it really is past his ride by date. And the other story is that KTM are really uh, disappointed with Zarco. Mm, my block. Was- yeah, well, apparently he's having an absolute night. He has he's had a nightmare, and now they're saying it's, it's not in the bike; it's in his head. So that could be a very short-lived marriage, and it could be thirteenth uh, for Zarco on the KTM. Johan Zarco's head's been gone for ever since that time where he stuck it on pole at the Mom uh, for the bike Grand Prix and, and loused it up, and he's never got over that. That he didn't do anything at the French Grand Prix. I think it was two years ago, or a year and a half ago, and um, yeah, and, that, and he's not never been the same since that so perhaps he does have a he needs to see a sports psychologist I would say uh, uh, my boy Quateraro the Frenchman was doing well until yeah, he didn't until no he... but he stuck it in second of the green was it Paul mm-hmm. no Paul got the first pole didn't he only said pole sitter yeah absolutely did very well uh, I still think he's going to be a superstar uh, no, I mean, Vinales in first. third position I, I mean that's not a bad result for Maverick is it it's the first time he's beaten um, Valentina this year isn't it mm-hmm. I think so but, yeah. What was the question they waited, by the way? Well, there's some uh, major GP news closer to home, though, isn't there? Is there? Because yes, because the circuit. Of, yes, yes, sorry, yes, the circuit of Wales is now no longer the circuit of Wales. It's now back to being Britain because Silverstone got an extension. Is that right? That's correct. Until 2021, mm. and they're going to resurface the track. Again? Yeah. I thought, they did it. I, thought they did it. I thought they did it again this year. Not yet. Oh, right. I thought, I thought they'd already done it again. No. Ah, okay. So they obviously did it last year, and I thought they had already done it again for this year. I don't year, think so. I don't think so. Although it didn't seem to be a problem for British superbikes that rode on the short circuit. No, mm. the, the bumpiness uh, was specifically at the end of the start-finish race on the Grand Prix circuit, I believe. It's always been bumpy there. Nick, you've done track days before, long before it was even resurfaced <laughs> the first time. It's always been bumpy there for bikes, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's it's. In fairness, it's just. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously riding at probably 60 miles an hour less than the motor GP. You're only giving it 20. percent I know you. No, no, no. I was giving it a, a, a 99 point. I was as close to 100 percent as possible on my bike on a track, <laughs> and that's when my talent rapidly runs out. But um, no, I, I think that it's, 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 it was a. It wasn't a billiard smooth track, but it wasn't particularly bad anywhere. I think the problem they had with the resurfacing is the resurfacing. I thought the problem they had was through the Maggots Beckett's complex. And standing water as well. That's where, the dry, that's where the F1 guys were moaning about it, weren't they? Well, I can't believe, I can't honestly believe that it's any worse 
than coming into the breaking area at the end of the back straight at quarter into 12, into the left-hander at 12. But, again, if you, that, but that, this is an excuse. Coach got an excuse. They built it too quickly on landfill. That's an excuse. You can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Silverstone uh, have, uh, have no excuse because that's been there for... Um, 78 years but there's always a, always a problem always a problem on tracks that you share with Formula 1 and sports cars because ultimately and I know this sounds ridiculous but those high downforce cars do basically rook up the very top surface mm. yeah I know I know but, you're, but I think no I think the, the coat is a particularly bad example because it has subsided quite badly um this is quite parochial, but have you ever been to Northampton Town Football Club? Yes, of course have I have. I've been with you. Um, they no, built honestly, that. I went with <laughs> they built that on landfill, and I have been in the Northampton area about fifteen years. And the, the road around the perimeter road, which you right drive <laughs> yes, around in front of Frankie and Benny's, in front of Benny's, used to be a gentle. Obviously, it was flat ones. By the time I got there in 1999, it was gentle undulations. I went there last week, two weeks ago, and it is. It is. It's a roller coaster worthy of Alton Towers. Yeah. So that's that's what's going to happen to to Kota. It's it's going to continue getting worse. And it's you, you, the problem they've got is they're not. This resurfacing the top is not solving the problem. Whereas resurfacing the top of Silverton should serve the problem. Well, what they do, what they've been doing at Kota is scraping the top off and diamond grinding it, and I'm not sure that's the answer because you, all you have there is then different surfaces. Mm. And two years ago. Um, whether it's the last oh no I was there last year wasn't I um, and drove it uh, but not in a race car it, even in a road car you can feel it it must be terrible on a bike a, a Dex who, who will be Declan Brennan will be talking to later on <laughs> has just uh, uh, has, has just said that because he was at Cota for MotoGP he said the riders were losing their foot bags on the back straight on Cota uh, and they've all complained about Northampton Town's pitch uh, which, reasonable. Uh, that which this what made Nick laugh. Shall we move on? I have been to Frankie and Benny's in Northampton. Yeah. You see, this, 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 we, we, we all know those roads. Move on. <laughs> uh, we will be doing some more bikes when uh, Declan joins us in ah, our right. two of the show. Okay. And hopefully we'll also uh, have some British Superbikes if Kerry is able to join us also in the second ah, hour Kez of the Cole. show. That would be fantastic. Uh, we, we will... Uh, Await that with interest. Uh, but for now, we shall switch to four wheels. Right. Uh, and? Because this weekend, Formula One returns. Oh, oh, just, sorry. Hooray! Sorry. Don't get into my way. Hooray! <laughs> Off you go, John. <laughs> it's too late now. I was. Uh, it's it's June, by the way. It's June when Silverstone have been resurfaced. And I should remember this because they've cancelled the MG Car Club uh, meeting. So that's why. Uh, so that's when it's going to be resurfaced. So, uh, so it's Formula One this weekend. Where were we off Hooray to? Again. Where were we off to, Nick? We're mm. off to the track that always produces. A, oh, hang on, no, it doesn't. That was Baku. That, oh, that didn't do it either. We're going to Barcelona. Where? Where, Phil? The, Nick? Phil? Where, Phil? Who's Phil? <laughs> I'm just reading who Phil's, Phil was. I'm reading Phil's uh, tweet at the moment. So, so where are we going to? Barcelona. Okay. So this weekend then, F1 is at Barcelona. Uh, everybody tests there, so everybody knows it. So there should be no mess-ups in tyre choice, no mess-ups in tactics, no mess-up in setup, And 
Mercedes uh, will be one and two again, and they will be romping off with the championship. And I'm oh. not hearing any nonsense about Ferrari. This is well, it. Hang on. This is the Ferrari. This is where Ferrari's coming back. Oh, they're going to dominate. Oh, that and Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull are right there. Red Bull, no, they're, they're going to be. Fa- I'm not. I want to hear nothing of it. And nothing, nothing. I was. I'm going to put my hand up now and say I was wrong about Bottas not winning another race this season. He won the last one. I'm quite prepared to say I was wrong on that. But I wasn't wrong about Mercedes still dominating. There's nobody anywhere near them, and I'll hear nothing else of it, except for what Nick's going to say now. Very, very short, short item, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I take on board everything you said, John. Right. Uh, but remember, you're a womble. As a counter argument, right? Uh, this was the track where Ferrari actually were good earlier in the year, and better than Mercedes. And uh, this is a track where they do know, and as you rightly say, are less likely to go out the tyre window. And this is a track course where everyone's bringing all their upgrades. Can I counter that, though, with a quote from uh, Force, I mean, Racing Points, uh, Sergio <laughs> Perez, who says uh, all the data that they got in pre-season testing at Barcelona is completely irrelevant. Because? Why? Uh, because the track is uh, different now. It's warmer. It's all. It's not different. It still goes the same way. Um, no, I mean, I think I think it's it is. A, it, yeah, obviously, Barcelona does not produce classic races. Let's be real. Yeah, you're very lucky to get a good race there. It was slightly better with last year with the uh, longer DRS, and obviously the idea that the cars might be able to follow a couple of yards closer might make it possible to. Um, get past people but i think it's unlikely uh ferrari bringing their new engine out early so they're trying to um get a few, a few horsepower a couple of races earlier in the cycle because they are throwing everything including the kitchen sink at um, saying they're bringing up upgrades there's a lot of upgrades in the middle team so with that, that because they're so close together if someone gets it really right or really wrong that might change things around obviously uh, williams will still be uh team awful williams, williams. um but um yeah, I mean, I think there's it's, it's a lot of technical intrigue in this one. Um, whether there's going to be a lot of difference. I, I, you probably know I've got, a, I've got a friend who works in Mercedes. And uh, he, I was chatting away and he said, oh, we're really pleased now we, we, can, get our, we can get our upgrades to, uh, to Barcelona. I said, we, well, we've won the four races. He said, yeah, we've been carrying a few problems all through the first few races of the season, but we know how to fix them and now we can. Mm. <laughs> I thought, well, that's a bit ominous. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. Just. <sighs> I think I. I'm going. Right, I'm, my, right, I'm saying you're right. I, I'll tell you right now. This. This is. I'm going to put. put I'm going to make you watch it by telling you. I think Ferrari are going to win. Okay. What, what are you going to? What are you going to bet on that? How, would you like to bet a Mars bar that's been out in the sun? It doesn't have much rigidity, does it? Really. No. Um, I. I tell you what. I will. I'll. I can't think. What, what can I bet you? Uh, um, all right, a thousand havens. A thousand havens? Mm. You've got to pay up, though. Well, I'll, I'll get Martin to give them to him in person. Well, he's never paid for that bet. <laughs> Joe Bradley still saw he's never paid for that bet about the 1971 FA Cup final. So, but Joe Bradley mind. was around to remember the 1971 FA Cup final. 
Yeah, he's much older than me. I can't remember that. Uh, so, uh, and yet you were here above him in school. Yeah, uh, that's actually what he keeps telling everybody, but nobody but actually <laughs> believes that. Uh, 66 laps at the weekend at Barcelona. Uh, oddly, one thing I want to say oddly is that usually the F2 races are really good at Barcelona. Yes, but oh, the why? F2 races are normally good everywhere no, because they can drag up behind people. Yeah, um, so they might be worth watching that, that part of the programme. Um, Did you I, know that up until 2016, so for the 10 years between 20, 2006 and 2016, there, mm. I think there were eight different winners in that 10 years. So... It, you know, it didn't. It didn't. It doesn't show the dominance that we possibly think it had. Hand off in doing a bit of F1 homework, shocker. Um, and uh, and it has had a, quite a lot of controversy and incident. Not, I mean, obviously sometimes because of teammates driving into each other. Injury. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm-hmm, uh-huh. Yeah, it's quite a bit that. Mm. Yoda's uncle says, by the way, for for anyone who's struggling with racing point, uh, I'd expect your team. He said instead of driving what. Um, trying to remember what Racing Point call themselves this week, just call them Jordan or that team from across the road to Silverstone. Which I quite like yes, that. There should have been plans to uh, build a uh, bigger, nicer factory on the same site. Bigger, nicer site. Well, because Lawrence Stroll's got lots of money. Now, irony, irony? humour, parody, pastiche, artifice, theatricality and exaggeration. What are we talking are about? All named, they're all names of teams on The Apprentice. Uh, they're all useless. No, uh, uh, how to write a Formula One uh, press release. <laughs> That's quite good. But Everything no. that you've got to tick off on the way through. That was the dress code for the Met Gala in New York last night. I thought it was uh, camp. I thought the dress code was camp. Have you seen... Uh, what Lewis was wearing. Lewis was there, was he? Yes. Obviously. What was he wearing? Describe it to me. Uh, well, it was designed by Tommy Hilfiger. It's uh, yes. a jacket with matching trousers. And I can only say, do you remember in the old days of analogue satellite TV where you didn't have the picture quite right and it was all those jaggedy lines? Yes, yes I do, actually. That's what he was wearing. It was a blue... A uh, geometric design with uh, a, a sort of a crescent moon shape on it. Um, no, it wasn't. Yes, it was. I'm looking at it now. I'm looking at it now as well. There's no blue on there at all. It's black and silver. Uh, um, okay, well, Hamilton uh, the, is bald in blue the, the, as he rocks up at... Ah, that was Meg after party. Okay. Uh, Sorry. Okay. Two outfits. Two outfits, obviously. Fantastic. Excellent. Now, Tins with the picture on it. Mine, look, that... That that's your TV. If you look, if you got that on your TV's way out, that's not even close, is it? You I see that what is. you mean. That, that, no, I tell you what. This American. That's the start of the Twilight Zone. He does. We control the horizontal. Oh, you know. The outer limits. We control the horizontal. We control, we control the vertical. The vertical. Do we not control adjust the racing driver. <laughs> Do not adjust your set. Uh, uh, I actually quite like that. I think that's uh, that's a bit. I think I could wear that to be honest. I think Should we see I'd side? want a hat with it. Autosport Awards. Everybody, we should all be wearing. Oh, it'd be in the shops. It'd be in CNA by the weekend, man. When was the last time you saw a CNA except in Holland? Or America. Yeah. They have Toys R Us to them, didn't they? True enough. Uh, right, let's move on. Uh, what was I going to move on to? Uh, 
Who has an amazing ability to feel grip? Uh, Mr. Michelin. <laughs> According to Alexander oh. Albon. Oh, baby. Uh, the car. No, Danny we're Gilliam. talking about another driver. Him. No. Uh, Lewis. Whilst you're thinking about that, Chris Suku says, irony, definition, what you do while watching NASCAR on a Sunday night. Very good. Like that. Or a Monday, hey, that's I right. this week. Point. Uh, I, I don't know. It is I, Leclerc. <laughs> Ah, we haven't had that very ages. We're Charles feels like... the grip very fast, even when it rains. That's very good. Very good. He has no weakness well, well, in slow, was... medium or fast corners. If yeah, you're faster yeah, we, than yeah, him, it could be by two or three hundredths the... at the most. You'll not get more. Go on, Nick. Okay. Yeah, weakness in back here. He could, could go around the corner and end up in the tyre barrier. Mm. Yeah, he wasn't happy with that, though, was he? You stupid. I am stupid. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Do you really think for us? Sorry, I, I've, I've. It's just I've had a busy day today. I've been looking at flights and things, and I'm a bit. <laughs> seven bit, minutes ago. Do you really think Ferrari is going to win at Barcelona? No, I just really had to say something to stop you in your entire oh, drive. That's all right. That's that's you, fine. You, you do realise that traditionally in this show, I say the sensible thing, and you take up the contrary position for the for the sake of it. No, I don't. But you said, but, Exactly. But you have just said the sensible things so that I have to take up the contribution to the point of it. Otherwise, it's just too agreeable. Oh. Now, uh, there are two things uh, which uh, join the Formula One circus that they haven't had uh, so far this season. Porsche Carrera Cup? Uh, Porsche Super, Super and, Cup. And, the Porsche Mobileye Super Cup we will talk about Mobile later. One. It's just Mobile One. But the other one... Uh-huh. Is of course uh, Sexy Motorhomes. Sorry, Nick? Sexy Motorhomes. Sexy Motorhomes. Sexy Motorhomes is correct. Ah, and, you see we all <laughs> And Red Bull You're talking... have introduced mm. a new one. House of Wood. The no F. Eint Holtz House. It? It's a what? Yes it... F. Eint Holtz House. Really? Wood House. It's a wood. House. See, yes, I, 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 I have a strong suspicion that that Commodore's track would never have been so big if it had been Woodhouse rather than Brickhouse. Mm. Well, this is Barbara Woodhouse, and she could use it to, to, to uh, train all the dogs, <laughs> couldn't she? Walkies. Uh, this is that not is a, a log weird, cabin. Very, That's very, very, very niche. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, that, it's a. Uh, well, the thing that I thought was really interesting was apparently it's, it, it's not only sustainable, it's been designed in such a way as they won't need to use air conditioning. I'm thinking, well, I'm not quite sure how you can design any building that's like that to not need air conditioning. Because sticking in a stifling 30 degree heat of some European summer with 50 people inside it, you're going to need air con. Well, Franz Toast says, by having such a spacious layout, this provides both teams, because uh, obviously it's being shared between Red Bull and Toy Rosso, uh, with a warm, state-of-the-art working environment, resulting in an extra incentive to go to the track in the morning. So they're going to cook their, their own people? It's very important to keep the morale of our team members high, and the temperature, presumably, especially yeah. considering how much time they spend at the circuit, so to have such an amazing structure ensures we'll find them all happy. It, um, it, it could be built and taken down quicker. They can build it in two days and uh, take it, down in, one. Take it yeah. down in one. And how many people does it take to do that, John? 270. Correct. 
<laughs> and they've got to be pretty sharp, actually, haven't they? Because after Barcelona... Oh, hang on. <laughs> don't don't worry. Hang on. It's all right. Anyway, after this weekend's Grand Prix, uh, they've got to take it down to the Italian Riviera and then rebuild it at a place called Imperia and stick it on a barge, and then it's going to be towed to Monte Carlo. And I'm now looking at pictures of it. Um, The Aston Martin Red Bull Racing Energy Station. Um, It looks like one of these new houses that you see on Grand Designs that's built out of wooden boxes. It's very clever. Well, if it's like one of those, it'll, it'll be late and over budget because they're all late and over budget. And somebody will either get pregnant or break up. Yes, Always exactly. happens. Always yeah. happens in the final stages, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, I think of anything about Kevin McLeod who presents a, a Grand Designs. I think I liked about him in the first series. He used to drive around a, TV, a TVR Cerbera. Mm. Good lad. Yeah, very good. And now he's got a dull Audi estate. Oh, it happens to us all, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Certainly does. And there's nothing wrong with Audi Estates. No. Nothing at all. I'm quite impressed. I've got to tell you, chaps, I am quite impressed with that. That construction Hultz house. I still want to see how hot people are, because I don't think that there's any clever airflow that is going to work in the summer sun without proper air conditioning. I think we should uh, get someone to go there with a Mars bar and see how it survives. That's brilliant. That is because that would be the test, wouldn't it? it w- yes. It's the ultimate test in Formula One. Yeah, of everything. <laughs> Christian Horner, I have a soggy Mars bar for you. Your energy station is rubbish. Yeah, structural rigidity test. I think that should be part of the FIA. Never mind people standing on front wings. Get the Mars bar on it. Anyway, shall we move on? Uh, yes, because we mentioned the other thing that uh, joins the Formula One. Uh, Circus uh, in uh, Catalonia this weekend, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that is the Porsche Mobile Line Super Cup. Yes, Mobile uh, One. It's just Mobile One. But it's German. But it doesn't matter. The brand is just Mobile One. There are six champions, right, taking part this year. Yeah, uh, five. Uh, former or five reigning Carrera Cup champions plus the reigning Super Cup champion. Right. Uh, so we have uh, Mikhail Amamullah, who is the uh, Carrera Cup, uh, sorry, Super Cup, Super reigning Cup. Super Cup champion. He's the man who took longest to win it than anybody else in terms of how many years he'd been in the championship. Uh and he is trying to be only the third driver Very good. to secure a third title back to back. Can you yes, name the others? I can't feeling. Last two years. I kind of feel that realistically, if you've won it twice, you should have a better drive somewhere. Well, uh, honestly. Just it, tooling around the one make series. No, um, but but the, thing, the thing is, Nick, there's a lot of money. Um. There's a lot of money in it, and you can make money in it. Really? Particularly if you take your sponsors to places like Monaco and give them hospitality. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerome, uh, Renny Rast must have run it three times yes, in a row. Yes, 2010, 2011, 2012. Bloke and Morland only run it twice. Uh, I'd, oh, yeah, come I'd, on, Patrick Nicholas. Heisman. It's Patrick Heisman. It's, it's Patrick I did all this when I, was di- when I did one of the races last year for, for telly, so I should have got there, shouldn't I? Richard, didn't Richard Westbrook run it twice as well? Yes, he did twice. Not three times, though. 
No, no, not three times. I'm, I'm just trying to work out who'd been close. Uh, Alan Muller is combining this yet again with the uh, German Carrera Cup, which he did last year, but uh, finished second in behind uh, Thomas Prining. Mm. Uh, who is not one of the six champions in this year's Super Cup. So Thomas Prining has not moved up to the uh, Super Cup after winning the German Carrera Cup. He did a couple of... He's done a couple of guest drives. Um, he's been a Porsche supported driver. Austrian, isn't he, Prining? He is, yes. Um, and two years ago in Hungary, he didn't really do himself any good as far as Gray is concerned because he got involved with the championship battle and um, banged a couple of people off the track when he shouldn't really have been involved in it. Uh, the British Carrera Cup champion from last year is uh, moving up there. That's Tio Elenas. Right. Uh, he went, that title went down to the wire, I'm sure you remember, and he got the championship <laughs> no. from Dino <laughs> Zamparelli, who'd no. been leading most of the season. Elenas only won one race all season uh, and got the title through consistency rather than well, hang uh, on that's not right surely wins. Porsche Cup Great Britain should even had a chase system then and we just had a race to chase the Porsche Carrera Cup Great Britain because you shouldn't be able to win by winning just one race can, can I can I just say however what's most extraordinary and now I've looked up the, the numbers um, that one two one two three four for the last five years running mm-hmm. it has been the Lechner team in yes. various guises that have won it. And for the three years from 10 to 12, they've won as well. So from 2010 to 2018, only two teams have won it. And the team Attemptor, who won it with Nicky Team back in 2013, which is where Nicky Team thrust himself on the international scene. Other than Attemptor, all of those years, it's been some form of Lechner racing. And, of course, Lechner runs the Porsche uh, Carrera Cup Middle East as well. As I, I would point out that most of the cars in this championship are Lechner, though. Yeah. Um, so, Amamullah is going to be racing for the BWT Lechner as racing he, As team. he was last year, but not the year before. He was racing for MSG the year before. Uh, Elinas will race for the Momo Megatron Lechner racing team, oh, as wow. will Jackson Evans, who is the reigning Porsche Carrera Cup Australia champion. Yeah, looking to follow in the footsteps of other... Of other great Australians. Except he's not Australian. He was a champion of the Porsche Carrera Cup Australia. He's obviously from New Zealand. He is a Kiwi, correct. Uh, And he's also going to be doing the... Yes. He's also going to be doing the Carrera Cup uh, Deutschland uh, alongside the uh, Super Cup. Is he any relation to Mitch Evans? Oh, I don't know. Is he younger brother of Mitch? We'll have to find that out. Uh... Al-Faisal Al-Zubair is racing mm. for Lechner Racing Middle East. He is the double Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge Middle East champion. Yeah. Uh, he only secured that title two months ago. He's yes, from Oman. Yes, in the winter. Yeah. And obviously uh, won that title with Lechner Racing. Simon uh, Evans is Mitch Evans' brother, who's doing the IPSA trophy. Right. So... Probably not then. No. Uh, Porsche Carrera Cup Italia champion of 2018 was Gianmarco Caresmini. 
Uh, yep. He's going to be racing with Dynamic Motorsport, so he's not with a, in a Lechner car. So he's got right. no chance. And finally, the champion of the Porsche Carrera Cup France and Porsche, Carrera, uh, Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge Benelux. And uh, also FIA GT Nations Cup winner is a Hanshin Guven, who I think was also racing in the uh, Porsche Carrera Cup France again this year because they were at Spa at the weekend and I'm pretty sure he was on the podium. Carrera Cup France has also been... I mean, Germany is the big one because so many people do Super Cup and Deutschland because there's never any crossover. And that not uh, only was he on the podium, he won race one, didn't didn't he? Uh, might have. Florian Latour and Marvin Klein. So that pretty much is... Uh, our preview of the uh, Porsche Mobile One Thank Super you. Cup for twenty. Thank you, Thank you very much. Nineteen. How, how many? How are they going outside of Europe this year with that? Because sometimes they do. Yes, they do. Right. So they're going to the States. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know where outside of Europe they go. Right. Usually they go to Austin, don't they? Hmm. Um, I th- there is there is a part of me I I want to love because I love Porsches. And I really love the GT3 Cup Challenge USA by Yokohama, although the first race at the weekend wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, that's not fair. There were some people at the front who were very good indeed. There was a lot of people further back who uh, were a bit average. Um, there were some really good spins. Yeah, they were all very good at spinning. Th- there was more spins than an ice dance competition. Um, the... The, the Super Cup over the last few years, and in fact, Declan has just written, he says, have we reached the area where nobody cares, even the competitors? And, and that's well, very John, interesting. It's still, though, it's still the best way, Nick, to get noticed by Porsche. Yeah, but don't forget, this is the last year of the current contract for it to be on the F1 bill. And already people are touting other series to possibly take the slot. Oh, really? Yes, and that was one of the uh, bits of PR news coming out of the uh, the W series which started last uh, week, is that they are looking to take two or three of the... It may next year not be running with DTM, but looking to take some of the slots on the F1 European uh, calendar. This year's non-European round of the Porsche Mobile One Super Cup is in Mexico. Oh, really? Yes. Well, it, if they well, they're, they're normally South American championships. I remember Brazil, um, in particular, when we were there for the WEC, they had about a 55 car grid in in two different classes. In fairness, oh, which I'm yeah, that was a, that, that had a that? massive smash, didn't it? It did yeah, have the uh, massive smash the year we were there. Do you remember that? Tremendous crash. No one got hurt, but they had, and they had the numbers, big numbers on the roof, didn't they? All the cars had big numbers on big the roof. Big numbers on the roof. And big numbers on the windscreen which I always think um, is a great so you, idea. So you could tell exactly who would have been involved in the crash, and the answer was everyone apart from the top four. <laughs> I, I just wonder whether what Porsche get out of it now, other than um, being able to take people to a Formula 1 race and also to hone their talent. Oh, there's a rabbit in front of our studio. Don't tell Shay. Um, that, that'll <gasps> put her off picking up when I try to... That's the first one I've seen this year. They've been in very this short year? supply. It's May. Yes, I know they've been in very short supply. And also, you've been overseas a lot. Mm, true. No, but it's really strange, but 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 he's been making John Rabbit pie every night so this week, these last few weeks. He's just no one. Do like the rabbit pie, rabbit black pudding, onion, nice proper pie crust on the top. Very good. 
Very good indeed. Um, right, so okay. Barcelona, Monaco, yep. uh, then they have a little gap before they go to Austria, mm-hmm. uh, then Silverstone, obviously, Germany, Hungary, um, Belgium, uh, Italy. Italy, and Mexico. Uh, okay. Excellent stuff. Yes. <laughs> Excellent stuff. It's very <laughs> expensive. It's very hard to win it. Um, and it's very easy to win it. You just need to offer Walter Lechner more money than any other driver. Well, that that you could say <laughs> that that would be being very cynical, uh, Tim. Um, I'm not saying you're incorrect, but um, it it is. And be years, good at qualifying. Well, you've got to be good at qualifying. You have to be good at qualifying. Um, right, are we finished with Nick? No. No? All right. Where are we uh, going next? We're going to Hockenheim. Right. Why are we going to Ooh. Hockenheim? That, that was DTM. That was the opening round of DTM. Did you yes. see that, Nick? No. No. He was in the Philippines, I've man. been in Manila the whole week. Why have we got someone on the show who hasn't seen any motor racing this week? Ah, well, because that makes me... A, a, an empty vessel would you to, to suck up with sponge like all the information and then give my opinion upon that information so two rounds of the DTM at Hockenheim the opening two rounds at the weekend yeah, yeah. and uh, I can only really talk about race two because I didn't see race one right uh, but race two was quite a interesting race um, Audi mm-hmm didn't have a particularly uh, great race because um, three of their drivers uh, finished last, second to last and third to last. Mm-hmm. But at the other end, they also finished first and third. Was that Rast who won on Sunday? It was René Rast who won on Sunday. Yeah, well, that w- they, they were sharpest on tactics, weren't they? The safety car came out, he went in, got fresh rudder, rubber, just about got back to the back of the field um, as the green flag came out, and then that gave him the chance to make a second stop at a better time. But he was quick. Rast was quick. He'd actually completely nosed up qualifying. Um, so he had to do something different. And uh, he actually did overtake people, although albeit with the assistance of the pass flap. But even so. So, uh, Audi first, Audi second, Audi third, BMW fourth, BMW fifth, BMW sixth, and our Motorsport seventh. For uh, Paul DeResta, who did briefly lead, but had a terrible pit stop strategy by staying out far too long. Do uh, um, Right, I'm, I'm a big Aston Martin fan. Massive Aston Martin fan. What does anybody else think about the DTM Aston Martin? It or looks the DTM? like an Aston Martin. Do you think it does? Yeah. I, I'm not... I had to look twice at it when I saw the promotional pictures because I didn't think it. Ca- I don't think it captures the essence of the Vantage. And the problem, of course, is rather like the Mustang in Virgin Australia Supercars, which has to be built onto a cage that is designed around four-door cars. The silhouette that the cars have to be built around is is spec, isn't it, in DTM? So you have to play with the dimensions, and clearly the BMW and the Audi work better with it than the Aston does, I think. It's, there's something even about the grille that doesn't look very Aston-like, which is a bit odd for me. 
Maybe uh, it's just my eye. How did they describe their weekend? Who? Our motorsport? Yes. A good start, I would have thought. I think they'd uh, been happy. Better than they were expecting. Yes. The car's barely done any testing, Tim. Um, the, the, there's been um, quite a bit of of consternation, shall we say, because they didn't really know where they were. And the, the cars came together very late. And they were terrible in qualifying. Well, you know. Bad dress rehearsal, bad, good first night. I don't know. But they've the, the been given... Um, they were hoping to get a little bit of a performance break. It might still happen. And, you know, roll on roll on the next race weekend, which is at Zolder. Uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, isn't it? Uh, Zolder? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's Zolder, Mizano. Oh, that's right. Zolder, then Mizano. Yes. Yeah, and then Norris Ring. Uh, Mizano will feature a driver change, won't it? Oh, yes. Are you excited about this? It will. This is very interesting, yes. It's Dovi. It's taking a week off from... It's taking a week off and gaining two wheels. Andrea Dovi, yes, so the team... Well, de facto team leader of uh, the Ducati MotoGP team, is going to be subbing for... Oh, I knew this. I forgot who he's subbing for. Pietro uh, Fittipaldi. In the DTM Audi. Pietro Fittipaldi. Thank you very much. He was a clashing standing in the back of the garage for, for Haas. For Haas commitment. Media. Who was the la- who uh, was who was the last uh, two-wheel star who swapped into DTM racing nearly 30 years ago? Johnny Chicotto. Yes, very good. Oh, that was an easy one. Very good. Very good. I thought I, I was I was really throwing that out to Nick rather than to you, Tim. But oh, that was very good. You were quick. Uh, so that's something to look for, forward to after uh, after the next round. So that's the, not the next round, but the one after, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yes. Good. Excellent. Moving on. Uh, that's the story we're going to do in the second hour of the show. Let me just go back to the very brief script that we have. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh. Don't let the, well, listen, while you do that, let me have a quick look at Twitter. Uh Carrera Cup, Dino lost the Carrera Cup title last year after spinning out on some fluid on the Blanchard GP circuit. Uh, I had a change of surface flag out, but he was still flat out, says Chris Humphreys. Ooh. Ah, you, you should have been waving it harder, Chris. Uh, uh, Michael Hetherington or says... maybe he didn't want Dino to win. Well, Mickey And that Heth- wasn't his only spin, actually. Oh, true. Um, uh, Mickey Heth say, uh, of the Red Bull Wood Shed says Ikea did it first. Um, which is fine, good, fine and good, and I've, I've tweeted a time lapse of them putting up the wood house. Uh, John Vincent says, "This is fantastic. Uh, this is no longer the energy station. It is the schmoozing, hospitality, and entertainment department. That's S H E D. Very good. Very good. Been a uh, while since we mentioned them. Adrian Michael Race said, "Are the cars?" In DTM, actually called Aston Martins now, and not HWAs. That's a very good point. Uh, that is a very good point. Let me see what they say on the uh, press release. No, the well, the DTM. Um, DTM calls them Aston Martins. Yeah, but Aston I don't, Martin doesn't because it didn't release a press release. I know. Because it's not an Aston Martin. They're just anyway. Moving on. Where would you like to go to? Uh, keep the keep the tweets coming. Add Spectertainment. It's a series 
13, uh, series 14, excuse me, episode 18 tonight. Nick Damon still with us. And we've got Dex, Shea, and the big interview with Scott Atherton in the second half of the show. Where would I like to go to? Well, actually, I'd quite like to go to Poe uh, the week I'd after I'd like to go next. to Poe, yeah. Um, and I'd like to do it uh, via Monza this weekend. That's the ELMS. And I'd like to do it using the route that Johnny Palmer is taking with some very scenic railways. He is our, he is our um, Great Railway Journeys of Europe correspondent at you the moment. you going up a funicular anywhere? Well, obviously they're not railways, Nick. Funicular, funicular. It's a funicular railway. Uh, they're just funiculars. They're on rails, aren't they, a lot of them? He's in Switzerland tonight. Is he? Yodelay. And is he joining us live? I'm waiting for a hop suisse from someone. Hop suisse? He's not what, joining what, us live. What no. part of Switzerland, though? Geneva. That's not proper Switzerland. Uh, and then tomorrow morning he's going to burn. He's going to burn what? Because it's very sunny and he's missing oh, okay. cream. Right, very good. Apparently he's uh, <laughs> told the responsible adult that the journey has been going very well. Well, of course, he's in Switzerland and everything is perfectly on time. They run like clockwork. Very good. Weather's been awful, though. Sent us a postcard, apparently. We'll never <laughs> see that. Uh, on his way back, though, he's doing... Um, what's that really nice scenic railway route? I've no clue. I don't do railways. I like railways and I like trains, but I've never had the time to do them. Johnny obviously Oh, Eurostar to Paris is great. Yeah, oh, he's not gone anywhere near Paris. That's the only time I take a train if I've got to do Eurostar to Paris, because that is very good. I think he did Eurostar to Lille, yeah, and then from there he went to somewhere in the Alps. Right. Is it okay? Okey dokey then. Moving on. Uh, where I wanted to go a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Ah, this right. this is the circuit reopening story. It is. Is Enna Pegusa. Enna Pegusa. Now Enna closed a few years ago and then there was a plan to have an endurance race there there was and that had to be cancelled and then they noticed there wasn't a track anymore on the because when the fia circuit inspection took place uh there were some issues so they said you need to were there chickens on the track no hang on (laughs) right first of all you need to do some safety improvements first of all enna is in a city in Sicily, isn't it? And Pagusa is, is, is the lake, yes. um, which is the only Sicilian natural lake. And the track goes all of the way around the lake. The lake. If, if you've, it's on a few console games. Um, it, it's a fantastic It used to be on the international circuit. FIA Formula 3000 championship calendar. European touring cars up to 2015 and a TCR's race there in the Italian series. And I think there might have been a truck race there once. Uh, do you know what? You might be right. You might be right. World Superbike were there? No. Italian rounds of the World Superbike was there in 1989. How many people died? I don't know. I don't know. No, but for, so I went for a swim. Anyway. It's a fabulous track. Uh, so the FIA uh, requested some improvements before this endurance race and then uh, three months uh, before the race was due to happen they went to do their final inspection and found that none of the work had been started Ah, uh, due to a dispute with the local authorities 
Mm. Uh, and I think you know what I'm talking about when I say local yes, authorities in, in Sicily. Sicily. Uh, yes. Now, however, that has changed. The work has been done, and two weeks ago, ten days ago, the circuit reopened to competitive activity with the uh, Italian National Championships going there. Mm-hmm. Uh, for their second uh, race weekend. The racetrack, and this is a direct translation from a local newspaper, the racetrack sports new asphalt and curbs, but also new car safety car park, medical car and race direction. Ah, right, got you. So there's a new car park for the safety car and medical car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they've also... Uh, renovated the overpass so that people can actually get to the paddock. Apparently, Johnny M has just tweeted out about your team and said, "I think the lake at Enna is filled or Pagusa is fi- is filled with water snakes." Ooh, mm. excellent! Which that's, that adds, a, that adds a, an extra jeopardy if you go in, doesn't it? I once did. Uh, I was once a. Um, uh, it's like but a safety Coke. car. Um, <laughs> Course car, that was what I was looking for, um, for an event where the SSRs, the supplementary regulations, uh, said, if you go off the road, do not get out of your car, wait for someone to come and get you, because you could stand on something which might explode and kill you. Because we were on the ranges at Otterburn, which I thought was quite an interesting, quite an interesting SSR right. line. Yeah. I feel if you've got like stand something could blow up and kill you. Sure, you could drive over it, and you would. I suppose you would be dead at that point. We're going to get out, were you? I suppose so. It's fine. <laughs> hmm. Moving on. A uh, bit of news from down under. Right. You uh, Everybody. Jamie Winkup mm-hmm. is going to race in the Australian GT Championship. Yes, he is at Phillip Island. He's only going to do the one, uh, but it's the first time he's done a GT race. Um, yes. It's the first time he's done an Tryon. Australian GT race. <laughs> okay, he's raced a GT car in the Bathurst 12 hours. Yes. But that's not. So therefore, it's not, he, that's he not a GT race, is it? Yes, it is. It's a race which includes a GT class. Well, it's the, the, to- the, the, the top class. It's the top class. That's a GT endurance race. He was second in uh, last year. It was. That's like going. It's like going to a club and being told it's not a disco, even if it's somewhere you can dance at on a summer. <laughs> <laughs> so it's. His, I'll agree. It's his first Aussie GT Championship race, but it's by no means his first GT race. Uh, he will partner Yasser Shaheen in the Scott Taylor Motorsport Mercedes. And uh, AMG GT, actually, I think you'll find. Um, uh, Yasser Shaheen, of course, the man behind? The Bend. Yes, correct. Yes. And by the way, he came... When I said, he came, bend, when, I, when I said he came second last year, he won it the year before. He only finished fourth this year. Yeah. He's on He's on a slide. Maybe yeah, that's... You see, that, you see... What he's doing is he's having a bit more GT practice. Uh, Shaheen said, I'm looking forward to learning from Jamie across the weekend. And he will. Uh, I love the endurance format and driving alongside and learning from a world-class driver like Jamie can only help my development as a driver. He's won Bathurst 1,004 times, I think, Wind Cup. And Seven-time champion. Is he? Uh, he's a good bloke. He's a top bloke, actually. And... 
that'll do the Aussie GT series no harm at all. Is that, is that it? Ready to move on? Uh, that is it, yes. Uh, we have one story that's come out of Japan. All right. Uh, which is some more details about the uh, crossover Super GT DTM Ooh. race in November. Right. There's going to be a crossover? Is it Suzuka then? Da-dum, tish. It's a Fuji. Uh, so, t- between 12 and 14 of the 18 DTM cars yes. will take part. Yes, there's far more of them going to Japan than the Japanese are coming to Germany. Yes. I think there's only one from each manufacturer coming. Uh, yes, three in total. Yeah. So not all manufacturers. Oh, not even all manufacturers. Represented. Okay. All right. Um, what are they going to Han- do with tyres? Hankook will be the yeah. control tyre supplier there we at go. Fuji. That's what I wanted to know. Um, the reason they're only taking 12 to 14 DTM cars is what? That's all they can get on the plane? Yes, that's the number you can get mm-hmm. into one 747 cargo plane. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, with uh, Why are the Japanese only bringing three other way? With luggage. I don't know. They don't sound very invested in the concept, do they, really? Uh, the DTM cars will not be allowed to use DRS. Mm. Right. Why do you think that might be at Fuji? Because it's a very, 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 very long straight. Yes. Uh, they have a very, very, very big advantage. Yes, they haven't yet said whether or not DTM's push-to-pass system will be allowed. Right. Um, and they haven't yet decided uh, what the uh, balance of weight will be. Because so, <laughs> it's not the exactly then. the same. They're no. not exactly the same, these cars. They're, They're still uh, a little bit, more than a little bit, of different... The tyres will be the biggest uh, leveller. That's the thing. Because as, as we've spoken about before, when we had Jan Mardenborough on uh, a few weeks ago, and then... Um, we had RG O'Connell, didn't we, for our mm. preview. Uh, there's a tyre war. It's a magnificent tyre war. It's a bonkless tyre war in Japanese Super GT, in GT500, and it is magnificent, but it would put the German competitors at a massive disadvantage. So everybody's going to get the good... It sounds like everybody's going to get the German tyres. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we also know that there will be two races, uh, one on Saturday, one on the Sunday. Uh, and they will likely be around the same length as a DTM race. Well, that would make sense as well. Now, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we know that those races uh, are a suitable length for the Hankook tyres. Well, th- that's a good point as well. Is that it from Nick now? Uh, it is, and that's all for the first hour. Thank you, Nick. Speak to you next week. Good guys. See you next week. Bye-bye. Midweek Motorsport. Half time, and while we swap ends, here's what's coming up. In the second hour of Midweek Motorsport Series 14, episode 18, uh, we will be talking to Declan Brennan. Uh, I bet we will. Can you guess what he's talking about? Uh, we'll have a bit more two wheel news. MotoGP, we already mentioned that. Yes, that's right, MotoGP. Uh, we'll have a bit more two wheel news with uh, Dekis as well. Shea Adam will be with us to take her usual look at the scene in America. Lots to talk about from last weekend's 
run out at Mid-Ohio for all the IMSA classes. Also looking ahead to the Indy Grand Prix on the road circuit. Going the wrong way around the Oval. Still does my head in. Uh, that's all coming up in the second hour of tonight's programme. But first, it's our big interview. And joining us on the phone to kick off the second half of the programme is Scott Atherton from IMSA. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com Delighted to say that joining us on Midweek Motorsport for our big interview this week is Scott Atherton from IMSA. Uh, Scott, thank you very much for taking some time out of uh, your very busy schedule to come back with us. Uh, four races in to the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship Series, four very different venues. Um, let's start off with a, a quick thought from you, sort of a... Um, a quarter-term report. Uh, happy with how things have gone? Can't complain with the, the racing, at least. It was outstanding, both Michelin Pilot uh, and the WeatherTech races at the weekend. Yeah, no question. And, and always a pleasure to join you and, uh, and your team, John, here on the, the Midweek Motorsport. Uh, yeah, after four races, I, I think we have some of, if not the best racing that we've seen in a long time i don't want to say ever because that's always a, a debatable you know, point but the on-track content the level of competition the diversity of who's been on the podium who's been setting the fastest laps on the pole it's a mixed bag it's a testament to the imsa competition team and how things have been configured in that regard I wish we had uh, a little bit better cooperation from the weatherman. Uh, three out of four races have been impacted with really, really challenging weather conditions. The only exception being that Long Beach weekend, which was absolutely perfect, but uh, it's easy to say we've paid for it in the other three. Mm. But four races in, no complaints. And uh, I think it, it has all the makings of championships across all of our platforms coming down to the wire uh, I think the weekend that we have at the Motul Petit Le Mans is going to be the only time that we'll know who's going to win this and, and who's not. Yeah, I, I completely agree, Scott. Um, I, and from a personal note, and certainly from the fans and what came in on Twitter in our Mo, uh, Michelin Post Race Tech Show, um, everybody worked super hard at Mid-Ohio. Special mention from the fans being made to race control for letting things play out and also to the track services and recovery teams who clearly had a plan uh, to get people back uh, onto the track as quickly as possible without putting themselves in jeopardy. Uh, massive congratulations to everybody involved in that, Scott, because that played a part in keeping racing green or getting it back to green as quickly as possible, which is clearly what everybody wants to see. I, I would concur with everything you've just said. And oftentimes the role that those folks play is a thankless job. You know, everybody wants to get back to racing as soon as possible when you have an incident. The, the conditions throughout the entire facility, even though on Sunday when the TV cameras turned on, it looked like a beautiful sunny day, you need to understand, and uh, you were there, you witnessed it, but we had heavy rain Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and even Sunday morning. It wasn't exactly, you know, Chamber of Commerce weather. But ironically, an hour before the green flag, the, the clouds part, the blue sky comes out, the sun comes out, and it looks fantastic. But if you put a wheel wrong, if you stepped off of any paved surface, even the weight of your own body, you sunk up to your ankles in mud. And if you were a vehicle, you went up to the axles in mud. It was just 
what it was. So the work and the the job that those folks did to keep the race operating throughout the weekend, I completely agree with you. It's uh, they are the MVPs of the event, no question. Yeah, brilliant stuff by everybody concerned, and uh, uh, great racing, as we said. Uh, news breaking uh, over uh, the Mid Ohio week of the confirmation of what I think we'd expected after the Super Sebring this year had been such a roaring success, and in fact, we talked about it, didn't we, in our in our race broadcast with you about how well that had gone. Confirmed 18th to the 21st of March 2020. Oh, my goodness, I'm saying 2020 already. Yeah. The the WEC back at Sebring uh, on the Mobile One 12 Hours of Sebring schedule again. Um, timetables, TBA, Scott, but you must be very, very happy that, that that's come around and building on the success of the first event. Yeah, I, I would agree with your comment that it was expected and certainly after the experience we all had this year. And my comments with regard to that event as a whole is that it exceeded even our highest expectations, and that's almost across the board. Mm. Uh, it, it was that good. And we've seen the reviews that have come in from fans, from media, from competitors, I think it got high marks across the board. Uh, the only hesitation we ever had was, did it make sense from a financial perspective? Because at the end of the day, you know, this is a business. It has to make business sense for all involved. It's an incredibly expensive event to conduct for obvious reasons. You've got a World Endurance Championship event. You've got a, a WeatherTech Championship event. You've got a lot of commitments that run deep in both of those examples where you've got to fulfill um, the requirements of an FIA world championship are significant. Um, They're much more involved and therefore much more expensive. So long story short, I don't want to get into the accounting. That's that's kind of boring. But uh, (laughs) from a business perspective, it, there's enough there, and, and I think we, we took a lot of learning out of this year that can make next year so much more efficient. Mm. You know, it was uncharted territory for everybody going into this, this year's example. Now we know what we don't know um, or didn't know at the time. We've got actuals to compare against mm. what were budgets and hypotheticals. And uh, from our perspective, being IMSA that also has uh, the benefit of owning and operating the track, Wayne Estes and his team down there, uh, we are thrilled to be uh, in a position to confirm this early on that uh, Super Sebring round two confirmed for next year and hopefully for many years to come. Uh, uh, you said uh, during the race broadcast on IMSA Radio in, back in March um, that you know, the the initial thought was everything had gone pretty well. You were fairly sure, certain that, that when you did the wash-up, uh, there might be a few little tweaks and nips and tucks. Looking back on it now and having had those discussions, are there many things you need to change? I mean, overall, the, uh, the atmosphere was great. The timings, happy with the scheduling? What sort of things might just be tweaked? Or might we see, might we even see any changes that we'd even recognise? Yeah, there are some some changes that will need to be made to the schedule, uh, and and I don't want to speculate 
at this moment on exactly what that will mean. But the the reality is we we worked many people beyond the point of reasonableness. And when you look at the, especially the on-track staff, the corner workers, yeah. the fire and safety crews, the first responders, that they're out there all day and thinking about looking back, you know, Thursday night is night practice, you know, Wednesday night, night practice for uh, the World Endurance Championship, Thursday night, night practice for IMSA and the WeatherTech in preparation for the Mobile One, Friday all day and into the dark of night, the WEC race, and not finishing up until essentially midnight. And then you come back Saturday morning for the Mobile One 12 hours. And, you know, it's an early start to the day that, again, goes into the late night hours. People just hit the point of exhaustion. And we will have to address that. And and that I think we'll need to end Friday's activities earlier so as yeah. to give people an appropriate rest before we come back and go again on Saturday. Uh, I think but I those s- are details that will be worked out, and I'm confident we will. Um, I'm actually headed to Sebring today uh, that will uh, begin the process of the formal wow. planning. So it's literally a year out nearly uh, from, wow. from when you end one and you start planning the next one. Well, pass on all of our best to win in the, I know it's a small but perfectly formed team uh, down at Sebring International Race where uh, on behalf of the fans, again, everything that we got from that um, post-race was tremendously positive and I know people are already making their plans for 2020 to be able to experience that awesome uh, event um, and um, and I think everything you said, there'll be people sitting around their computers and radios listening and just nodding sagely um, and, and you know that's one of the things we love about talking to you Scott and the, the access that we get to IMSA that uh, always comes across that you're listening you're listening all the time um, um, let, let's talk about um, the future. One of the other things that you and I talked about last time at Sebring was uh, was DPI and what a great success uh, DPI has been. But <laughs> can't rest on those laurels either. Uh, the, the next version of DPI is not that far away. And there's been a couple of reports of uh, the uh, planning meetings, the strategy committees going uh, going on, I think it was Thursday at uh, at Mid Ohio. And Thierry Bouvet came over. He's Vincent Beaumanil's number two. Who uh, that's part of the WEC and the SEO Sporting Commission. Do we do we read anything into that at all, Scott? And uh, is there anything you can tell us? A couple of comments. Uh, I've I've seen the speculation that you're referring to, and I, I will say that that meeting was on the books. Uh, for quite a long time, uh, it's part of a very comprehensive process that Simon Hodgson, who's our vice president of competition, and his uh, technical team laid out uh, going all the way back to uh, Daytona in January. So that was an IMSA meeting that was already planned. So, you know, the, the fact that that meeting happened isn't a shock. Um, and and uh, that's the first thing that we should really share, say. Exactly right. And and there was a plan laid out many months ago that was intended to communicate how IMSA would uh, administrate the process of defining what we have referred to as DPI 2.0. So it's, <clears throat> pardon me, the next generation of the Daytona Prototype International that is competing today. 
And things have evolved, uh, as you would expect they would, over time. Um, We sent out a comprehensive questionnaire to all of the manufacturers that are currently involved, as well as others who have expressed an interest. And we took that feedback and processed it, identified where we had the common threads, identified where some people had differing opinions. And this meeting was intended to communicate the results because up to that point, only IMSA was aware of how everyone else had responded. Everybody knew how they responded, but didn't know how anybody else had. Uh, Terry's involvement uh, was was a, a pleasant opportunity for us because, as I think everyone knows, the DPI is based on an LMP2 chassis, yes. and that LMP2 chassis is the domain of the ACO. <clears throat> it's, it's their homologation. Um, our cooperation with the ACO has always been at a high level. It continues to be, and Terry's involvement there was simply as a, a representative of the ACO as it relates to their interest in the core base foundation of DPI. Our vision is that DPI 2.0 continues to use that same base structure. Um, You've seen the speculation about hybrid uh, powertrain and and other uh, speculative elements. I I don't want to get too far out in this process. Um, I I think we've confirmed that the car will have a hybrid uh, element to it. That could take one of many forms, um, and again, I don't want to want to communicate something that's not accurate here because that's a decision that hasn't been made yet. We're mm-hmm. still actively working with the manufacturer representatives and the constructors to define exactly what that means. But I'm confident that, uh, as we have done in the past, we will end up with a formula that is consistent with what the manufacturers want to be showcasing as far as technology and the connection that the race car has to their consumer product. And we'll also end up with a a product that's extremely exciting for fans. Um, If you like what you see with the DPI, you'll like the next generation that much more. Just and, and I appreciate that I'm, and I'm not trying to dig into something you don't want to say here, Scott. But one thing that that struck me, actually, when I was sitting on the plane coming back from Chicago at the weekend, um, the current LMP2 regulations uh, and homologation finish in 2020. Um, does that give you guys a problem in planning for DPI 2.0, which comes in just after that? In terms of, do you lock in the current, uh, the current LMP2 suppliers and chassis, or have you already had to start thinking about what might happen with the new 2020 LMP2s? Which, of course, as you rightly say, that's that's not in your gift. That's an AC, that's an ACO homologation and not yours. It's a, it's a very good question. It, it's a topic of active discussion. Uh, we don't see any red flags in that area in terms of the ability to continue with the model, with the format as it is now, the four constructors, the homologated chassis that exists today. Uh, it doesn't mean that there couldn't be some subtle modification to it. Uh, it's an active conversation between IMSA and the ACO, uh, respecting the homologation that's in place now, but also recognizing that 
we have a situation that we believe falls into the category of don't fix it if it's not broken. <laughs> and and that's there, there's a focus there uh, on not only the, uh, the the competitive aspect of it, but the the economics of it as well, the sustainability of this platform. Um, I, I don't think anybody would look at today's DPI and say it's it's antiquated, it's no, no. past its use by date. Um, you know, it's time for a refresh. Um, we're not hearing that, and we don't see that as part of the process here. Um, we're focused on uh, on making sure that the next generation is consistent with manufacturer needs and uh, I would say even demands in some cases. But um, I don't see a problem on the horizon as far as the, uh, the ability to utilize the LMP2 as we know it today. Because presumably, Scott, the whatever regulations DPI 2.0 looks like, they can't be that far away now with the lead times that we're talking about with manufacturers. So you've kind of got to make some fairly fundamental decisions long before perhaps the ACO will even announce the new set of tenders for that new LMP2 chassis. Yeah, we have a timeline. Um, Simon and his team have put together a very comprehensive uh, schedule and, and keeping in mind that we are committed to having a full field of fully sorted, tested, reliable, competitive next generation prototypes on the grid January 2022. Yeah. So the Rolex 24 at Daytona of January 2022 is when this next generation car begins racing in anger. When you work backward from that date, uh, you're exactly right. Um, it's not a 911 hair on fire <laughs> urgency situation, but there's no time to sit back and and speculate either. It, it's time to get on with it, which is exactly what Simon and his team have done. Um, they've assembled a group of of third party expert consultants in the areas that we recognize we don't have the necessary expertise. So we've got aerodynamic experts, we've got packaging experts, we've got some uh, uh, some structural safety uh, ad- advisors, uh, consultants that are working with us to make sure that the vision and the practical application line up, that it's a match. And uh, so far, again, no red flags in that process, which is encouraging. So when you talk about packaging a uh, hybrid power system, into an existing platform, the LMP2 cars as we know them today, the DPI example, um, so far so good. And as always, when you have something this complex and with as many interested parties as we have, because there are many in terms of manufacturers, and then you have the constructor partners as well, there's a lot of moving parts. But uh, I'm proud of the work that Simon and his team have done I attended the meeting last Thursday. There was a lot of good dialogue, a lot of good feedback. I would describe it more as a steering committee than uh, a technical working group at this right. point. Um, we're, we're steering the process with the help of others. That's great. Scott, thank you for that. Um, I, I know how delicate these things can be with so many uh, different 
points of view uh, and places to go and, and potential there. So really, really appreciate you sharing that, that with us. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Uh, let's look forward to the, the, next, uh, the next race for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. That's our yearly trip to Belle Isle at Detroit. The share with IndyCar. Not all of our classes there, of course, because the uh, LMP... The, uh, GTLM cars uh, become GTEs and go to uh, the Le Mans 24 hours. This is an event that has grown and grown and the IMSA part of it has grown and grown as well and we've had some great races down through the years at, uh, at, at Detroit. We are always looking forward to getting back to Detroit. The Penske organization is the promoter of record there. Uh, Michael Montry is the president and the general manager of that event and does an outstanding job. Uh, we've got a group of our communication staff, along with a couple of drivers that have been in market this week doing uh, advanced promotion work. Uh, this one's going to be unique in that this is the debut um, of what is uh, could be described, I guess, as the uh, the first time we'll we'll have sprint cup only gtd yes in that this race is not a required event to win the WeatherTech championship in the gtd category that was a, a conscious decision we made to potentially reduce the budget uh for our, some our gtd competitors the good news is almost all of them have opted to enter detroit including a couple of uh, incremental entries that are only pursuing the WeatherTech Sprint Cup Championship. So looks like a, a 24, 25 car grid wow. um, with 11 prototypes um, in the combination of DPI and LMP2, and then the rest being the GTD entries. So for that circuit, in that venue, uh, 24 cars is a very good number. And uh, it, as you've said, the racing there never disappoints, and I'm confident this year won't be an exception. Scott, thank you very much for your time, and particularly thank you for the explanation on, on DPI and what's going on. Always a lot of rumour and speculation, of course, uh, going around that, and it's always good to have you set the record straight and tell us uh, what you can, which is brilliant. Uh, we'll see you at Detroit, and then come and see us at Le Mans as well, won't you? Looking forward to it very much. Yeah, it's uh, Detroit will be here soon, and then uh, for sure Le Mans. You know, it's uh, this will be my twentieth in a row, so uh, <laughs> it's a, kind of a rite of passage for me. I know I can't compare to many others who probably say they've been there fifty in a row, but uh, it'll, it'll be twenty for me, and I'm looking forward to it. I think you get a special pin for that, Scott, in the shape of a, <laughs> yeah. a, a shape of a, a, a ham and cheese baguette. I think that's what you get for that one. Yeah, you've got to uh, keep working on it for the uh, historical Grand Marnier crepe pin that uh, is unfortunately no longer available. No, I love it. Thanks, Scott. Scott Atherton joining us on the telephone from Daytona. Thanks again, Scott. Thank you, John. Take care. Brilliant stuff. <laughs> I need one of those historical crepe pins when we get the third. Have I done 30 now? I think I might have. Uh, thank you for your comments on... At Specutainment, very interesting. I will come. We'll have a little bit of a chat about some of those in the moment. Shea Adam was listening to that. She joins us live now from Fort Lauderdale, uh, listening to Scott Atherton on the telephone. There, I pick up something straight away that he mentioned about Detroit. First standalone event for GT Daytona 
and the Sprint Cup. Uh, Entrylist isn't out for that for that yet, but he's given us a strong hint there that there's going to be a, a lot of competitors. Yeah, he did, which is very interesting, particularly considering that some of the teams I was talking to over the course of the weekend, the drivers, the team owners, they weren't even sure that they were going to be at the race because they haven't been clear, given clearance yet from the manufacturers. So they weren't entirely sure if their cars were going to be needed at the circuit. We know that we're not going to see Ben Keating and Jerome Blakeland in their Mercedes because they're both going to be doing the test over in France for GT. So they've already declared that they're not going to be there, but we still don't have an answer from the of course, Ferrari necessarily. We'll find out this weekend, though, for you. I'll get an answer out of Camille whether he and Tony Vlander will be at Belle Isle because both of them competing in the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Uh, Patrick Long and Patrick Lee sharing the, the Park Place Porsche. They didn't know if they were going to be going up to Detroit. It sounds like the Acuras are going to be at Detroit, even though there's nothing official from the Meyershank Racing team as of right now. But given how strongly they kicked off the Sprint Cup competition, you would expect to see those two cars back on the street course. And given how strong they were last year, it would be a big shame they weren't. Yes, uh, absolutely agree. It is uh, a straight track uh in some ways, not a typical straight track uh, in Detroit because the layout is, uh, parts of the layout at least, uh, whilst they sort of look like a straight track, they're actually quite fast uh, and flowing. It's not just sprint corner, sprint corner, sprint corner, and on not all 90-degree corners either. I do like the, the layout there. I, I actually think it, it promotes pretty good racing there, Shay, to be honest. Oh, it really does. Just look back at what we've seen over the last couple of years. You can put your car on pole and keep it there for the entirety of the race, or you can put your car on pole and then before you know it, be lost back in the pack because passing is possible at Belle Isle. It's a great circuit when we get up there. The only sad thing is we don't know we're going to have to play with yeah. and there's going to be a lot of drivers who are getting ready for Le Mans at the same time so we're going to have quite a few drivers not as many as last year I don't think looking to do the Detroit double yeah straight on a private jet or even commercial and trying to get there to do some laps on Sunday the other part of what Scott just said there on the telephone that was very interesting was the the chat about going forward now let, let's respect the fact that he said that you know there's a lot of moving parts here. There's a lot of interested parties. Um, an awful lot of excitement about Thierry Bouvet being there. Scott at Payne's Thierry, number two at the ACO's, uh, at the ACO's technical and sporting division. Um, Scott at Payne's to point out there that he was there to represent the ACO effectively as the people who are guardians of LMP2, which is the, the donator chassis if you will. But I thought it was interesting um, that meeting on Thursday, which wasn't a secret, uh, was getting everybody together to get that questionnaire that had been put out by IMSA about, you know, how do you think it's gone? What would you like to see more of, less of, etc, etc. That was basically to share with the uh, stakeholders and other interested parties. And and that's very much the IMSA way, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. And another thing that I don't know if it's been talked about yet, but was sort of um, it was sort of something that the meeting was used for was to share amongst the manufacturers 
actually on paper a step-by-step process of how balance of performance is determined by Jeff by Simon Hodgson and the entire team. It was something that all the manufacturers have been given feedback on for many, many months now, but now it's actually on paper. It's that communal sort of, hey, we're all trying to help each other be better here. We all want better racing so instead of going around and having private meetings where one person is talking to, say, Simon, and then somebody else goes in and, and says something completely contrarian, they have it all in public and they don't hide anything. Really a wonderful way to go about it. Everybody knows where everyone is. And that's part of why IMSA works so well. Yeah, don't disagree with that. I, I, I may have to listen back to what Scott said that. Uh, Scott never wastes any of his words. He was measured there. He was careful about what he said. I, but I do need to go back and, and listen to some of that. Um, uh, let's go back to the weekend uh, and what happened at Mid-Ohio. Scott rightly uh, highlighting how well everybody worked together in race control and uh, and in track clearance and recovery. Um, yeah. They did a fantastic job. I mean, we could we could have had a tenth of the racing that we actually got there, to be honest. Uh, two the two big races uh, were absolutely fantastic. It'd been a bit itty and bitty. Uh, I thought the uh, IPC the prototype challenge worked really well, and I stood outside and watched those V8 engined LMP3s going around. They sound fantastic up close. They really do. That was the sort of turning point. It started to get sensible after that. First Porsche race was a bit odd. Uh, for some of the drivers, uh, but then the Michelin Pilot Challenge. Oh my goodness, what a race <laughs> that was! How about the fact that in GS we had 23 cars start and only one of them did finish? Mm. I mean, that in itself is practically unheard of. Um, part of the issue with running at Mid Ohio first week of May is that it gives everybody a long time before they have to go back on the track. It's a good thing because if you leave it on a good note, then you're sort of simmering for a little while on a very pleasant thought. But for example, we're not going to see Michelin Pilot Challenge cars again until Watkins Glen. That's the last week of June. Same thing for the GT3 Cup Challenge, but they have a race at Montreal first week of June. So at least it's a little bit shorter break for them. But those prototype challenge cars that you were just talking about, John, we're not going to see them until July at Canadian Tire and Motorsport Park. And then GTLM, yeah, we're going to see them over in France. But they have until Watkins Glen to think about what happened last weekend. That is a long time to both know in the back of your mind that if you want to take a big chance, you can risk it because that's a lot of time to fix a broken race car. But also you have to sit result for almost two month and that's something that a lot of people in the michelin pilot challenge in particular are going to be wishing that wasn't the case i'm thinking back to particularly the only car that didn't finish in gs was our champions from 2018 the team tgm number 46 when they threw the alternator belt they got back out they turned some laps but ultimately they parked it yeah. and they have fewer than half the amount of points as the leaders do the mia mclaren Motorsport and Action, who have a two-point advantage over BIM World after getting their worst result of the season, go figure, leading the championship after getting seventh. Um, but they're going to be thinking for quite a time, man, we left mid-Ohio with not a great result, and I have to wait a long time to prove that we deserve to be the ones that everybody else is chasing. Uh, Mario Farnbacher really beating himself up in the interview that you oh. did with him in post-race tech, Michelin post-race tech. We'll get the full... 
a version of that up. I know we were cut off in our prime, but I think that did go out actually live. Um, oh. uh, but that uh, interview with uh, with Mario was 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 heartrending because he was really down from coming second and leaving with the championship lead, which is extraordinary. Yeah, I I had to give him a big hug after that interview, and it still just didn't it didn't work. He felt like he was the cause of them winning that race. And as I said to him, you know, it, it's moments like that that make champions, not the races you win, but the races that you don't win and that it's something as heartbreaking as that situation was. But yeah, they have a four-point advantage over Townsend and Frankie Montecalvo. So it is a good weekend, ultimately, for the MSR crew in that number 86. And by the way, speaking of MSR, if you have not yet seen the onboard video yeah. Cena Nielsen from the start of the race. What are you doing? From 14th fourth on one lap. It was just, oh man, it's like a video game to watch. I like, I like what yeah, she it, said. Where she said, finally, having to deal with LA traffic has paid off, which I thought was a great yeah. tweet. <laughs> a great tweet. Uh, so, G, I mean, GTD was good in in yeah. uh, on Sunday's race in the uh, in the WeatherTech Challenge. Ten cars, nine cars on the lead lap in the end. Uh, the Spread from the top to the bottom now, first to 14th, is starting to get a little bit wide. Yeah, 29 points. So that means that there's a lot of work for that are a little bit further down points from where they want to be. They're going to have to do a lot of recovery. And again, we touched on it in the interview with Scott Atherton, the Detroit race, not points paying towards the championship. So again, no matter what you do for for GTD, yes. So whatever you do at Belle Isle, you cannot rectify that gap at Belle Isle. It's going to be a little bit um, heartbreaking for some of the teams if they have a really good race in Detroit and then find out that it's pretty much all for naught in terms of their championship hopes. Right, let, let's talk about uh, GT Le Mans very quickly. Porsche strong going into the summer break. 14 points now ahead of BMW. Forceful driving yeah. from Tandy. After a little mistake by Pele, although I have to say, after his drive-through, I thought Pele was astounding to come through all the GTD field, never touched anybody, yes. got all the way through and got back on the back of GTD. That's set up. Tandy's getting all the, the plaudits, as as he should do, um, but Pele, rather uh, unseen because he was fighting his way through, uh, did a cracking job early on. Uh, so BMW 14 points adrift in second place in the Manufacturers Championship, then Corvette, then Ford. Uh, now, yes. the Bamthor team, um, or the, <laughs> what were we trying to call them the other day when we were trying to put them together? Anyway, the Earl Bamba and Lord Vantor, seven points ahead of Corvette number three. Number four Corvette, once again, awful look. They only have bad luck, but really, John, the team that needs to kick on their afterburners, both of the four, because of the Drivers' Championship, the closest duo, which right now is Bourdais and Dirk Mueller, because Seb's done every race, 16 points off of Bamthor. That is a big deficit. Yeah. Happy birthday to Larry. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> At the top, uh, we've got an interesting battle shaping up in DPI. Uh, the yeah. championship lead is now just four points from the 31 car of Pipo Durrani and Philippe Nasser in the wheel and engineering Cadillac over now 
uh, Elio Castro Neves and Ricky Taylor. Wayne Taylor Racing, who was strangely, in fact, most of the Cadillacs, all the Cadillacs other than the 31 were a bit off the pace at the weekend. Yes, and where have we up before? Oh, it was Long Beach, except a Cadillac won there off of a pit stop. So uh, we will see BOP swing Belle Isle. It should be more in the favor of the Cadillacs. That'll be interesting how it all plays out. But right now, Cadillac actually manufacturer fleet on its hands only four points ahead of Acura over the weekend so that's going to be something to keep an eye on when we do get to Detroit where points count the other thing to note about DPI though John it's only a 20 point gap between the lead and the Mazdas in both terms the, of the Mazdas championship. yeah they're on I the think same they're points tied on. on seven yeah, yeah. They, they both they both have 100 points uh, and sitting in there uh, which is pretty uh, pretty decent uh, and you know, we can't talk about Master without talking about Super Sub Ryan Hunter Rear, who I thought was stunning. Oh. Uh, Ollie Jarvis, brilliant. The battling through the traffic. If you haven't seen it yet, please watch the the race on Sunday when it gets put up on YouTube. Uh, it was being replayed on NS- NBCSN tonight in the States. It'll go up shortly, the, the full unexpurgated version. Uh, but we got good. In fact, actually, the, 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 the two veterans at Accurate Team Penske rather rather swapped scripts this weekend because Elio had more hits <laughs> than um, than in excess at the start of the uh, at the at, at the start of the race whereas Juan got in early did the double stint and I thought I thought Montoya answered his critics wonderfully here's a thought to you yep. here's a thought to you Juan last year didn't look happy um, a lot of people commented on it um, now Every time we talked to him, he was lovely, but he, he, he always looked a bit concerned. Um, he's, and, and I'm going to say something here that a lot of people will raise their eye. I think he's put a bit of weight back on. Um, we watch, mm-hmm. we see him, we see him uh, in in the hospitality, in, not in the hospitality, in the in the in Marion's the canteen. I think he's eating more what he wants to eat now. I think he feels the pressures off. I wonder if that's making him happier and therefore his head's in a better place. I see him smiling a lot more. He's driving. He's was outstanding and has been good this year. The scariest thing in the paddock for everybody is a comfortable, happy Juan Montoya, and that is exactly who showed up at the track. Yep, you're right, John. Yeah, it's amazing how things uh, can turn around. IndyCar, and uh, Tim might want to jump in uh, on this as well. I do. Yes. What do you want to talk about? We've had four races so far. Yep. We've had four different winners. Yep. We've had four different teams winning. Yep. And, and seven drivers within nine points share in at the top of the uh, the NTT well, IndyCar Championship. Not at the top, but in the top ten. Yeah. Uh, if you go from Ryan Hunter Ray back, and he is currently fifth in points, from Ryan Hunter Ray to Simon Pagano, there are seven drivers within nine points. It, yeah. At the top, Joseph Newgarden just has been running away with it. He's got 166 points. Consistency is name of the game. And Tim Sindrick knows how to play that better than anyone else. I mentioned Simon Pagano because when we come weekend for the Indy Grand Prix, there's only two drivers in the field who have won that race before. Simon Pagano, who's won twice, and he's gotten pole position before. Same thing for Will Power. And the only other driver to get a pole position in this race was Sebastian Saavedra a few years ago. Remember, he stalled off the start. There was all that chaos. Not great stuff going on there. But do have a race. On Sunday, green flag is at 3.40 in the afternoon, East Coast time, because that's the time zone where 
the race is and where I am. Um, we've got a couple of who are not usual suspects, not full season. Padua back in, in with Carlin, really good to see that. Jack Harvey in with Meyer Shank Racing in the pink mobile. And Elio is back. So let all of the car favorites rejoice. Uh, Castroneva is making his first of two starts this year, looking to kick things in the month of May in the right fashion. Also running everything else on the lap of the road to Indy. So there will be a lot of running on track. I don't know how to actually watch it, though, because with this whole NBC Gold thing, I know it's all behind it. But I don't know if the sub series are as well. Honestly, they've lost me at this point. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I have to say, by the way, that the extra ice cream equals happy JPM theory was uh, the responsible adults. So I'm 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 passing. I'm putting that out there, um, and and I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm not washing my hands out of it. I'm sort of floating it. I'm floating it. Eve, the, the same moment. thing works for me. Well, extra, extra ice cream, cream makes me happy. Happy share. Tim, what else have you got for share? Uh, no ice cream, unfortunately. Oh, well, right. I do have ice cream, but not for Shay. Oh. Right. Uh, oh. Unless you want to come and get it yourself, I'm not going to post it. No, that would be. Pointless. Well, yeah, it would be quite melted by that point. Yeah. Did you know Helio Castro Neves is the only driver to have top ten finishes in every race to be held on the IMS Road Course? Really? Wow. No, I didn't know that. Well, now you do. Did you know that 18 of the drivers entered in this race have raced here before? We do now. Yes. Ten of them are previously led races. Right. That's Power, Paginot, Castro Neves, Ray, Hunter Ray, Ray Hal, Hinchcliffe, Bourdais, Rossi, Dixon, Newgarden. Although Newgarden's only led one lap. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yes. Who's going to win? Pagano. Uh, Did you say I don't pick? know or Pagano? Pagano was right, my okay. preseason pick. <laughs> Just draw. The, you've got, we've got a slightly <laughs> I know who's going connection. to win. Who? The pole setter. Do you think the, the pole setter almost always wills, wins? Every of the last mm. four years, uh, this race has been won from pole. Uh Quickly before we move on, Dave Olcott says, great interview with Mr. Atherton. Always enjoy listening to him when he's speaking. It's clear he has the utmost respect for the fans, their knowledge of the sport and the commitment to the series. Uh, thank you to Mr. Atherton for that and to the Midweek Motorsport team for the interview. Thanks, Dave. Uh, always good to hear from you. At Specutainment, would like to know what you think uh, about what Scott Atherton was talking about there, particularly with DPI 2.0, which is Clearly, uh, when we started talking about that at Sebring, that's caught on as well. At NASCAR uh, on Sunday. Oh, no. No NASCAR on Sunday. No. <laughs> Nas- NASCAR on Monday, which I couldn't watch because I was in the air. Um, and although American Airlines were looking after me rather well. And I actually did have uh, live television. It just it wasn't showing. Well, it wasn't it. on that channel. No, it wasn't on that channel. Uh, Kyle Busch uh, says uh, Dover is terrible. Oh, man. Actually, that's not what he said. Uh, no. There were some other words which I've left out of that quote. Mm, probably just as well. Wise decision. Uh, but apparently he's got half a chance of getting a job as a premiership manager in Liverpool. <laughs> if you saw last night. Shall uh, we shall we hear a bit of we... uh, Kyle where he doesn't say anything naughty? All right, go on then. Sure. You you pretty much know as a driver what too fast is. If you have a problem, 
here now with the speeds we're carrying through the corners, it's going to hurt. It's really going to hurt. Um, so, I mean, the faster you go, the harder you're going to hit the wall. There's no question there is. So, um, you know, I just, I don't know. I mean, when you're, the IndyCar guys around here, they were flying around here, you know, and they don't come here anymore because it was too fast. It was dangerous for them, right? So um, eventually there comes a point where it can be too fast for a stock car as well. Um, and whether that is or not, I guess that's for people other than myself to think. Um, but I'd, I'd much rather, um, you know, appreciate racing and, and being able to race um, at a more tolerable speed than, than what we're going right now. What did uh, Mark Martin have to say? Suck it up, Buttercup. Not at all. He said, I'm glad we have Carl Busch in NASCAR. He has so much talent, he can get away with saying what he thinks. Mm. Kind of like Tony Stewart used I, to. I would agree. Mm. Yeah, very We good. need more people like that. And, and here's the interesting thing, too, that with the way that their point system works in the playoffs and all that, to make the finals to get into the championship, Kyle Busch doesn't have to run this race if he doesn't want to. He could effectively sit it out and still make the championship because yeah, he's already win to lock himself in. So he can't skip it when they come back in the fall because that will be a part of the playoffs. But come springtime next year, maybe he won't be in the race at all. The package sucks. It's terrible. All I can do is bitch about it and fall on deaf ears. He said that. Kyle again. Kyle. Okay. Bush. Did uh, Truex say anything? Because he won. He did. Do you want to tell us about the race before we hear from him, uh, Shay? Uh, it's his third win at Dover Speedway, and he basically took the lead before the end of stage two and never looked back, was just sort of laughing at the competition behind him. Truex, who's really come on to form lately after his first Speedway win of the year came uh, Talladega. No, not Talladega. Yeah, it was. Let's hear from him then. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a pretty special day. That, um, definitely seen the trophy uh, in the driver's meeting yesterday and was like, oh, that thing's pretty awesome, you know. <laughs> I've got um, I've got some other monster trophies, you know, from uh, Xfinity Series and and um, and a couple cup wins here, but that gold one's special. So uh, pretty awesome to win on the 50th anniversary uh, of Dover International, and um, you know, just a big day for our team, honestly. You know, to uh, to have to start in the rear of the field at a track that's uh, really difficult to pass at, and uh, be able to work our way up to the front all day long, and then uh, at the end just kind of dominate. It was pretty awesome. So really happy for uh, for everybody at. Uh, on our team um, for Sirius XM coming on and uh, in for two races and uh, taking them to victory lane is cool and, and just everybody is uh, everybody's doing a great job so hopefully we can keep this up. Uh, two crew chiefs have been fined <laughs> for uh, just two, just two. Uh, well, two have been fined for uh, not installing lug nuts properly. Mm. which is a return to uh, uh, that controversy that we all thought was over. It's the uh, number 41 and number 42 uh, cars, uh, Stuart Haas Racing and Chip Ganassi Racing running those. Uh, Both of the other championships were also at Dover, weren't they? So uh, Chris Chris Bell won... uh, Won the uh, NXS race. 
and takes home the last stash for cash, $100,000 in his pocket. And in the Gandor Outdoor Truck Series, which I know is your favorite, Tim, it was the third straight Dover win for Johnny Sauter, the former champion. And Kansas for Monster Energy and Trucks next time around. Shay, thank you very much for being with us. See you later, Shay. Sorry, rather cut Shay off uh, a little bit there. My apologies. Uh, You're listening to uh, Midweek Motorsport. Good to have your company tonight. We move into uh, the last portion of the show and we're going to stay with uh, NASCAR, interestingly uh, enough. Uh, And uh, with any luck now, we will speak to uh, our... uh, correspondent, sometime correspondent, Declan Brennan uh, on the line from the US. Good Hello. evening, Dex. How are you? I'm all right, mate. How, more the point, how is, how is you and how is the family? Oh, oh great. Uh, 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 glad I'm not a Tottenham Hotspur fan because uh, I'd be lying upside down behind the television injecting uh, Valium into my eyes at this point. It's uh, it's it's just <laughs> the uh, there's lots going on in the in the world of European football that shouldn't be distracting me, but that is. But uh, but funnily enough, which I could be having in running betting on, which is I think what we're going to talk well, about. Well, you see now Woo-hoo. there's there's an interesting thing. We talked about this with you a wee while ago when Liberty Media were talking about it with Formula One, and it's it appears to be coming to uh, American. Uh, American racing with with NASCAR. Tell it briefly. Give us the the outline of this, Dex. Well, this is a in very simple terms. NASCAR have formed an agreement with Genius Sports, which is a, I, I love the name Genius Sports. <laughs> uh, it's a, a company who effectively facilitates the data is the middleman between uh, the proprietors of said data and the gambling companies, the online gambling companies. Uh, You know, if you want up to the minute, the very latest, if it's the PGA Tour, you want to, you're doing an in-running betting on whether the guy gets a four or three on the next hole. The only way to do that is, is to have access to that data and to be able to uh, use it through your app or online. And the only way to do that is to have it licensed from the, from the rights holder. And so in that, in that case, the PGA two would have the data, uh, but they need somebody to process it and make it available so that the betting company or companies have got uh, half a chance of making a decent set of odds because it isn't a finger in the air. Correct. Yeah. And it's also that they, it means with, with the data, uh, having it up to the minute, it also means, uh, in running and in event is is uh, basically available on pretty much anything you can think of. And that's the key to this. But let's just move back one step. So NASCAR uh, alerted to the fact that we are slowly, and we've talked about this before, slowly seeing the development of uh, off-track betting uh, across all 50 states. Uh, we are a long way from that, but uh, but that is kind of where things are moving. There is legislation pretty much in every state now regarding some level of this. So NASCAR now uh, have finally realized that, that it is important that their data be made available because at some stage in the very near future, uh, you will be able to add a track uh, where a NASCAR event is on, you will be able to bet literally on who's going to lead the next lap or who's going to be fastest out of the pits. Uh, and this is yeah. the this is what they're looking for. Uh, 
When the next um, yellow flag's coming, who's the next car to spin? All of that. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, now, and, w- and, and the point about that, for particularly for people here in the UK and further afield, that isn't available um, off the track, away from a, a licensed gambling arena in the states. It's you can't you can't do that online. You can't do it legally. You can't do it online with anybody who's got a website in the states. You can't walk into a betting shop because there aren't things like betting shops in in well, America. Well, there are. But but, there are, only, but only in licensed. And, and and you know that's why everybody goes to Vegas and does sports betting in Vegas because betting's allowed there. You have to be within a licensed establishment, don't you? That's right. So it's Nevada, Delaware, New Jersey, Mississippi, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia currently. Only se- uh, so that's six. And only three of those are currently uh, states where NASCAR has uh, Sprint Cup, or beg your pardon, has, uh, has Monster Energy Cup races. Las Vegas, Dover, Delaware, and Pocono, Pennsylvania. So uh, they are clearly aware that the, 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 the landscape is going to change sooner rather than later, pretty much in every state where they race, which is the important part. Uh, funnily enough, hearings on this are happening today in New York. Uh, so Watkins Glen obviously could come into play at some stage in the near future. And the interesting part is, uh, I, I, when I dug a bit deeper into this, in, on March 26th, Indiana had hearings on this. And Mar- Miles spoke at those hearings about how important it was for fan engagement at IMS mm. for this for, for the, this type of... of uh, activity to be available and but here's the key the proprietors uh, the owners of that data want uh, a thing called an official data mandate so they basically want which is they're never going to get but they want uh, this service to be only available to bookies effectively who are paying for the data yes but which yes. is ridiculous because that is absolutely impossible because literally a sporting event and the results of said event are public domain. Yeah. So that would be at its and and of all of the places that currently have it, that currently doesn't exist. Yeah. Like uh, Nevada has never had uh, official data mandates. Yeah. Uh, and but funnily enough, uh, that's where we're headed. Uh, it, is it's the danger? First of all, clearly there's a lot of money to be made here. We'll come that in a moment. But is there a danger as? Uh, Unagile Cash Django, which is a fantastic Twitter handle, says, so could NASCAR become like Greyhound racing in the UK, where really nobody cares about the racing or the driver skill as long as they can bet on the result um, and get what they want? Because frankly, nobody gives a damn about the Greyhounds, do they? I mean, that's a, that's a fact, but they, they also run on a novel. Um, uh, yeah, but it's a dirt oval. Yeah, I know. It, it's more like World of Outlaws. Um, so... so uh, is there a danger that this uh, is is a is a last throw of the dice for NASCAR, who is saying fewer people going to events, fewer people watching on television? Is is this a way of just cynically bringing in more money? It's definitely a way of bringing in more money. I don't think it's cynical. I think it's logical. Uh, I think uh, by doing this, they will take and they will bring in a partner of their own. I'm sure. They take control. Plus, yeah, and they'll take control, particularly at the tracks that they own and the tracks they work with. So there'll be an official uh, uh, betting partner who will arguably be the only person who has the official data. So I'm sure you'll be able to bet like you can now uh, on winners and and uh, halfway loser or winners and po- and who's on pole and that sort of thing. But uh, if you want the real detailed stuff, the fun stuff on a lap by lap basis, almost, I suspect you're only ever going to be able to do that. Oh my goodness! Tottenham have scored uh, in the in in five oh five in injury time. Extraordinary. I uh, I didn't bet on that sadly. Uh, but you will be literally be able to 
uh, only bet on the, the minutiae, the fun stuff, the dollar bets on next goal, the winner, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the track, like when it, if, who wins in overtime? That'll be a big one. Yes. When races go to overtime, you suddenly get out your phone. Green might check. Yeah, before they go back to green, bang. Who who do you think has this? That will almost certainly, because of the way the data will work and how it's handled and who owns it, I think would not be surprised if NASCAR go exclusive on that with a partner. Uh, You'll have to have pretty good uh, cell coverage to be able to deliver that, though, won't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Good job they don't work with Sprint anymore. Oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> very good. So, so you see, and and there's so they're never going to stop uh, the, the the bookmakers of Nevada, uh, you know, of Vegas and 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 Jersey, and offering offering odds. But what you are going to stop, uh, or 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 block out, is is the guys who are doing this. Uh, uh, you know, uh, pitching it for fun, pitching it the in running. It's 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 like a two. Do- it's a dollar bet here. It's a couple of better, and that's how they how they'll build this. And and IMS will be the same. IMS it will transform the revenue uh, opportunities, I believe, at uh, at IMS for the Indy 500 as well. And I think Mark Miles understands that. That's the reason he's personally appearing uh, in the state legislature in Indiana to to lobby for it. Uh, and it's uh, going to change. I think it's going to change racing. Yes. And Scott Atherton is probably, hopefully, if Scott Atherton is listening to this, this is the sort of thing that will change. 24-hour racing and endurance racing becomes a lot more fun for people if you're uh, if you can do the leader every hour or, or you know, et cetera, et cetera. What What's the next step, Dex? What should we be looking for to see how this is developing and 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 what what level it's going to take in some respect? I think it's the it's you basically have to keep tabs on what's happening within the 43 other states right. and where we are and and where uh, their legislation is going. That uh, I'm keeping a personal eye on this, obviously, because as the commercial director of of gradient racing, I have to constantly keep my eyes open for what are potentially the next uh, areas of of revenue and and growth. And uh, I think this is one of them. And and I, I think we're probably 18 months or two years away from. Uh, seeing a, uh, I think I mentioned it before. Seeing, probably seeing almost uh, in in the in the gambling space, seeing what happened in the dot com era, where suddenly dozens of brands come in trying to create brand exposure and yes. uh, and uh, and we've seen uh, it before, Dick. Remember Poker Stars? You know, even when it wasn't yeah. legal, Poker Stars Aston had if, uh, we were on Aston Martin in the old ELMS days, and they had a free site so that they could put Poker Stars. It was whatever an educational it was. site. It was, a, it was a teaching site for pokers. Yes, exactly. How you learn to play Absolutely. poker. Yes, exactly right. So there's always there's always clever people who get round. It didn't last long. Um, it, it was it was sort of looked at. Uh, and and I, I realise we're getting close on time here. But uh, the, the point I want to make, uh, Dex, is that kind of sponsorship was rather looked down on and rather um, people were a bit snooty. Uh, about it and, and it was it was rather seen as not not very good sponsorship nasty things to have on your car uh, and with the th- and i wonder if you know with the attitudes that that's happened to tobacco advertising alcohol advertising down through the years um and with the emphasis on betting being responsible nowadays um are we likely to see those companies on cars or is it likely to be the back end and the actual user end where the money is made? Uh, well, I think it's going to be both. Uh, I also think uh, if the if the other uh, areas of the sport are smart, 
uh, they will find ways to bring those partners in across both areas. So I would be put it this way as, as aggressively as I may go after uh, the next level of uh, whether it's a, a FanDuel or William Hill uh, in the US, mm. I think it's incumbent on IMSA, for example, to go and find uh, a, a partner uh, and regulate this and do it properly uh, and and put the emphasis to on... their brand values to, to, yes. to, to, to represent their brand values. Tim, a quick point Absolutely. from you. It's all about who gets in first because championships will want to attract these companies to sponsor races yeah. and teams will want to sponsor cars. That's and point. if you already have cars sponsored by uh, gambling sites at the point that you approach them to sponsor races and there's a clash, then you've got a problem. Yes, that's fair. And it does uh, this... Sorry, Dex, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think this might be the, a time where you do see exclusivity. Yes. Uh, particularly if you want to give somebody uh, all your data. If, if you may want to go, like as what NASCAR is doing, you may want, uh, as we just discussed, if you're going to go uh, and provide somebody with uh, all of your in-running data, all your live data, you probably want to do a deal where uh, they are an exclusive partner and and they get a category exclusivity. Uh, I think that's probably likely. I, I'm going to make a point that a few people have on AdSpecUtainment uh, at Radio Le Mans. AdSpecUtainment on Twitter, sorry. Um, is that I still love football. I don't bet. Um, on on football, I know plenty of people who do, um, but I don't, and I still enjoy it. And you know, big European nights like last night, the Liverpool Barca game tonight with the uh, the Spurs Ajax game. Always been an Ajax fan, and you know, I, I, I'll still watch them and still get excited about them. And you know, I don't need to bet on it. The other thing that I would say, and and my love of cricket brings me to this, is I'd kind of get worried, Dex, about race fixing in the same way as you have match fixing if you know and particularly when you're doing in in play in race betting when it's not necessarily the result of a game but who leads the next lap or who wins a stage or who does whatever we saw how utterly um uh, poorly the cricket authorities particularly um in asia responded to in-game betting and no balls and that sort of stuff being bowled. Um, and and I, I worry for the for the sport of motor racing if big money, and let's, and let's be honest, if it is big money, it could be huge for teams and drivers and people could have their heads turned. Without question. It's interesting as how revenues like this should get split because uh, it is... If you if you do this and then cut off uh, potential revenue opportunities for the teams, I think you've got to you've got to potentially uh, look at sharing revenue, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, because uh, as I said, I think undoubtedly to control it and to do it right, you probably have to remove teams from having their own, uh, as Tim says, having their own partners. Uh, if that will help with uh, a a the outward-facing look of propriety and, uh, and you know, that things are, are, are on the level. And therefore, if you do that uh, and you start to generate proper revenue, then I think uh, you are going to have to uh, make sure that the teams are compensated. And you are going to have to, you know, actively work uh, doubly hard to make sure that people believe that the sport is on the level and that will always and John that is one of the things with gambling it's happened with boxing it's happens with soccer permanently is that uh, mm. it is very very hard 
to uh, to ensure at all times. And then what happens happen. with team orders? Because team orders is a part of motor racing. It is a yes, part of motor that's racing. That's a great point. And, and and at that point, what what happens if Dave Miggins is second in the championship and is his teammate Joe Schmore is told to pull over for him, and everybody who's bet on Schmore at twenty six to one goes bonkers. Yeah, it's uh, that that is a. Uh... And to be honest, that's been the case in Formula One. We've been able to bet on Formula One for many years in Europe, and 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 uh, and I'm sure team orders have absolutely driven uh, both gamblers and bookmakers to distraction over yeah. the years. Yeah. So uh, uh, that is a great question. And, and then there's the Kentucky Derby. And then there's the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, but if that had been a motor race, trust me, that horse would have been disqualified. I've well, seen that. Well, it was that. luckily enough. No, and, it, and it, that was—I think that was the correct decision. That was—that was blocking, mate. No doubt about it. It was uh, the, the, the horse, the four-wheel drive horse. That was the one that, uh, that should have been disqualified before. I don't know how that got through the scrutineers. No, indeed, indeed. <laughs> Listen, there's a whole program in that, and Tim is uh, already—I'm uh, sure—jotting down notes uh, in back in London, up in London. Uh, Dex, it's a fascinating subject. Thank you for looking at that for us sorry to have left you to the end but we've we've gone over time which I think was deserved on that but I think there's probably a whole program in that and a bit more research required thanks to Scott Atherton who was our biggest uh, big interview tonight and also to Shea and to Nick Tim Gray was our executive producer the responsible adult was everywhere and uh, oh the llama has just nipped down the bookies to put a bet on this programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.